Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We pray that this message will inspire you and help you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out more about how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. Tony Brockmeyer, our youth minister, has been doing these Instagram posts um, called One Meek one week midweek reminders because we all need reminders and what he'll do is he'll take the lesson the small groups have been using for with our youth and he'll condense it down to one minute and give them an action step to take and he always follows it up with a hashtag hashtag one minute hashtag uh weekly reminder hashtag reminder um there's been some famous, I, I love how Tony is doing that with our youth and he's telling them what they should be thinking and how they should be living and he's teaching them God's word. And then he's giving them this reminder every week. I love how he does that. There's some pretty famous hashtags that have gone around, uh, not just uh, what we hope is becomes a famous hashtag, one minute or weekly reminder or reminder, but there are some other famous hashtags um, like uh, share a Coke, hashtag share a Coke. Coca-Cola put that out uh, several years ago. It became worldwide famous. There's another one. You might remember this one. About five years ago, there was hashtag ice bucket challenge. ALS was doing this, um, this uh, fundraiser that people would dump ice water on their heads. You might remember that. And then uh, Charmin, this is one of my favorites. Uh, they did tweet from your seat, hashtag tweet from your seat. And I don't, that brings, definitely brings an image to mind, uh, especially when you consider it was Charmin that was putting out that hashtag. And one that's going around right now that's very popular is um, a phrase people use um, to talk about vaccinations. And they will say something like, my body is a temple. Uh, now, I don't know if they're hashtagging it, but they're using that phrase. You know, that phrase is actually found in the bod- in the Bible. My body is a temple of the Lord. Our body is a temple of the Lord. But I don't necessarily think that it had to do so much with vaccinations. And it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And we're going to look at that as we continue to look at what God says about our bodies. We're going to find out um, maybe some interesting things we never thought about when it comes to what God says about our bodies. We're going to look today in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. I'm going to read this passage. Um, it actually has some hashtags that the people of Corinth were using back in Jesus' day, and um, back in the, the time Paul was writing this. And then Paul gives us uh, what we could consider a hashtag we should use for our life and for our bodies today. Let me read the passage, and then I'll, I'll kind of break it down for you. Uh, Paul is quoting something the Corinthians are saying. He puts it in quotes. Quote, I have the right to do anything, end quote, you say, but not everything is beneficial. Well, that makes sense. Uh, you know, when we're when we are in Christ, we have been given great freedom from sin and uh, freedom from being from under the law. But that doesn't mean we have a license to sin. And I think that's what these people were saying. Paul says it again, quote, I have the right to do anything, end quote, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never! Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? 
For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Well, there's uh, certainly several hashtags in here. Uh, one is, I have the right to do anything. Hashtag, I have the right to do anything. The other one is, hashtag, food for the stomach and stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The people of Corinth were saying, my body is just made up of appetites. God doesn't really care what I do with my body. He's only concerned with the spiritual, with the soul. So whatever I do with my body, however I meet those appetites, it's okay. God's going to destroy both the body and appetites, um, and he's only going to keep the soul. Well, that's a lie. Um, it's not true. And so what the people of Corinth were saying was, just like the stomach is for food, food for the stomach, if I have a sexual urge, I have body parts that go with that sexual urge, I just go meet that appetite. And it doesn't really matter. But Paul says, no, um, your, your physical interactions with your body is much more than just the physical. It involves the spiritual too. And so he gives us a, a hashtag to live by. It kind of goes like this. There's two parts, but it's hashtag body for the Lord, hashtag Lord for the body. That's found in verse 13. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. The body is for the Lord and the Lord for the body. As we're studying what God says about our bodies, we need to know that our bodies were actually bought by Jesus Christ. And our bodies is not all we are, but it's not less than we are, and it is who we are. So when Christ buys our bodies, he's actually buying us. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, when he gave his precious life for me, he bought my body. In Revelation chapter 5, I like how it says uh, John is seeing a picture of heaven, and he's seeing all these people around the throne, and he sees that there is someone on the throne who has a scroll, and they go and take the scroll. This is chapter 5, verse 7 in Revelation. He took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne, and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Listen, because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people from every nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on earth. Jesus, by his blood, by his sacrifice, when he died on the cross, he purchased me to be part of his kingdom, to be part of his family, to be one of his servants. He purchased my body using his body, and he did the same for you. When Jesus Christ died, let me say it one more time. Maybe this will sink in. He bought our bodies. Now, if you are ever enslaved to anyone here on earth, that's a terrible position to be. But if you're enslaved to Christ and he owns your body, it is perfect, beautiful freedom. Freedom to love, freedom to forgive, freedom to actually live. Jesus bought and paid for us with his life. 
He reveals how much he loves us. He reveals how valuable we are. When he left heaven and came to earth and became human, living as we did, suffering for us and then dying for us, he shows us that he loves us. I love this phrase and I love this thought and I meditate often on it often. If Jesus never does anything else for us, he's already shown us how valuable we are to him. He's already shown us how much he loves us because he died for us. But then he gives us more grace. He gives us more blessing. He gives us more mercy. It's grace upon grace upon grace. He still gives us even more than what we have earned, even more than what we deserve. And he even gives us what we don't deserve. Jesus keeps giving us grace. He showed us he loves us. He showed us how valuable we are because he died for us. And now he is living for us. Jesus has bought our bodies. Our body belongs to him. In the meantime, it says here in verse 16, do you not know, um, excuse me, in verse 15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? What that is saying is Christ has united us to his body and, and, uh, Not only are we united to him, he is united to us. And this word for members here is kind of uh, an old-fashioned word translated in English that kind of means body parts. And so if we were to rephrase this sentence in verse 15, do you not know that your body parts are of Christ himself? So our body parts, Paul is telling us, the scripture is telling us, is united to Christ's body parts and his body parts are united to our body parts. Now, this is kind of a a weird thing. Maybe you've never thought about this, but there is another reason why Christ is for our body. Not just that he bought us and he owns us, but he has united himself to us. That's something maybe you've never thought about before. It's something the Corinth church had definitely not thought about. And here they were saying, it doesn't matter what I do with my body. And Paul says, it really does matter what you do with your body because whatever you do with your body, you're doing it to Jesus. Now, this is is mind-blowing. This is astounding. And this changes everything in what we do with our bodies. And for the people of Corinth, they were saying, well, I have a sexual urge and a sexual appetite. I'm just going to go find a prostitute and get my needs met and everything's fine. And Paul says this. He says, do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? So what you're doing is you're taking the body parts of Christ and uniting them with a prostitute. We have three ways, three major ways. The scripture says that we sin. One is uh, transgressions, the other is iniquity, and the other is called sin. Transgression is a rebellion against God's ways, doing things our own way. Uh, Sin is missing the mark, so God sets the standard and we never quite live up to it. And iniquity, that is a twisting word. Twisting something God has given us until we pervert it for our own selfish desires. Twisting a gift God has given us until it becomes a perversion and ugly. And so God has given our bodies appetites and we can take food and we can pervert it until all of a sudden we become owned by that idol of food and we can only go after our appetites. But another thing that he has given our bodies is is he has given us certain physical urges and we can take those urges and we can twist them into perversion. And when we do so, we are uniting 
Christ who is united to us to that perversion. This is not the way we should live. The King James Version translates it, God forbid. The the modern day English version, a better translation says, never ever do this. May this not be done. We never want to pervert our relationship with Christ with something perverted here on earth. And if you believe that your body is just made up of appetites and all that you do is to meet those appetites and fulfill those urges and desires and it doesn't have any spiritual consequence, you are living a lie. And it not only will destroy, lead you down a path to destroy your relationship with Christ, but it will also lead you down a path to destroy your body. But God is for your body. The Lord is for your body. He bought it with his body, the ultimate sacrifice. Then he united himself to you, to your body, so that he would be united in whatever you do, and whatever you do, you are united with him. Then he indwells us with the Holy Spirit. This is another reason why he is for your body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? Uh, Our bodies do become a temple. That's one of the phrases that's being passed around these days. My body's a temple. My body's a temple. My body's a temple. But I think people are misusing it. Think about what a temple was for the people of God. The temple was the place where God's presence and power was displayed. This was a place where you could go and meet with God. This was a place where you could go and receive forgiveness and and get help for the helpless. Well, if you're claiming your body is a temple for God, then you have to ask yourself, are you acting like a temple of the Holy Spirit? Not only did Christ unite himself to you, but he also put his spirit within you. You are a temple of God if you are with Christ, but you have to act like a temple. This is the high calling that we have been uh, called to, that we're supposed to live up toward. Do you use your body to be the presence of God for other people? Do you use your body to display the power and presence of God? Do you use your body to go and offer forgiveness to people that have hurt you and to forgiveness that people are trying to hurt you? Do you go and use your body to help the helpless? If you're doing those things, then you are actually using your body as a temple for God. It's not so much about what we put into our bodies, but it's what we use our bodies for that reveals the temple of God, that reveals that we are have the Spirit of God within us, that reveals that we are united to Christ. Whatever we unite ourselves to is going to bear fruit. If you are a married husband and wife and you join yourselves together physically, well, that physical union will bear fruit eventually in children. Whatever you unite yourself, your bodies to, whether it's sinful behavior and sinful actions and things of this world, it will bear fruit and it will bear perverted, twisted fruit. Or if you unite your bodies to something that is righteous, it will bear righteous fruit. Galatians chapter 5, they, it says it this way. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. And look at the fruit that it bears. When we unite our bodies to sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, it produces fruit of hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, 
factions, and envy. Whatever we unite our bodies to is going to bear fruit. But when we unite our bodies to the Spirit, it produces fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We have to use our bodies as if we really believe they are a temple of God. Because it's true, Jesus not only united his body to us, but he indwells us with his spirit. He bought our bodies using his body. It's so important to him. The Lord is for the body. Here's some steps I think we should take if we want to live as if our body is truly a temple of God and we are truly united to Jesus Christ. Number one, we need to avoid and flee from sin. There's a story in the Old Testament where Joseph, who was uh, one of God's children, was in the house as a slave, but he was the master over the house. Uh, His owner had put him in charge of all the household, but his owner's wife came and hit on him, and she tried to seduce him. And he said, I can't do this. It would be against God, and it would be against my master who's been so kind to me. And yet she persisted. So instead of staying there in that tempting situation, he fled. He ran as fast as away as he could. I have a friend of mine who is doing the same thing in his life when it comes to um, seeing things that maybe would tempt him to have lust in his heart. When he sees commercials on his computer screen or commercials on his phone, he immediately changes the page or he cancels that ad out so it won't appear on his phone. What he's, and when he sees television shows or movies, movies that have sexual situations in it, he immediately turns it off or fast forwards through it because he wants to flee from that temptation. He wants to avoid temptation. Um, Number one, none of us are strong enough to go through temptation. That's why we pray the prayer that Jesus gave us. Lead us not to temptation. We're not strong enough to endure it without falling to temptation. Deliver us from evil. But another thing that we get to do, that God has put on us to do, to live up to that standard he has given us, is to starve our sinful desires to death. So my buddy acting like Joseph, when he sees an ad he's not supposed to, or an ad that might lead to later temptation, he has to immediately get rid of it and flee from it. And when he does that, he is starving that sinful desire of lust. He's starving that sinful desire of self-pleasure and self-gratification that's going to come later. He's putting that sinful desire to death, and then he immediately fills his mind with something of God, scripture, or a thought of Christ, or a meditation on Jesus What's going on there is he's putting his sinful desires to death by starving them, and he is feeding healthy desires. If we want to treat our bodies as if it really is a temple, because remember, the Lord is for our body because he dwells within us, then we have to flee from temptation. We have to avoid temptation. Number two, we need to make our our bodies a house of prayer. When Jesus went into a temple in uh, Matthew uh, chapter, uh, what chapter was it? I wrote it down. Um, Matthew chapter 21, and all these money changers are in the temple, and they're selling goods, and they're exchanging money. Uh, He gets so angry, and he flips over the table, and he drives them out with a whip, and he says, my father says his house should be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Well, if you really want your body to be a temple for the Lord, then you need to make it a temple of prayer. You need to be in constant prayer with the Father. You need to learn how to pray You need to learn how to pray continually, and you need to have dedicated significant amounts of time in prayer. 
uh, a group, a small group of, and I are that I'm in, uh, we've been learning how to use a prayer tool where we um, pray an hour a day, just focusing on praising God, confessing our sins, uh, thanking God for his uh, grace, uh, praying for ourselves, praying for others, and um, singing to God in our prayer time, and, and also praising him. We, we spend an hour doing this because we want to truly treat our bodies as if they are a temple to the Lord. And we have to make our bodies a house of prayer. So we have to flee from temptation, put our sinful desires to death, starve them to death. We have to make our house, make our bodies a house of prayer, learn to pray to God, learn to meditate on the scripture, learn to go to him. Uh, number three, we have to remove any idols that are going to get in the way. Now, there are lots of things that we can, anything under the sun can become an idol. Anything that we love more than we love God, or we pursue more than we pursue God, or we pay money for more than we spend on God's kingdom can become an idol. So pride, lust, things of this world, our own selfish desires, entertainment. Think about how much you've spent on entertainment and pleasure in the last year, and then compare that to what you've put into God's kingdom, either through offering, sacrificial giving, tithe, um, helping the, the homeless or the poor or the sick. Compare the two costs and you might discover an idol you have in your own life. Um, rules and religion can become an idol. Our relationships can become an idol. Um, I see so many families that they make their kids their number one priority and it becomes an idol in their families. Uh, we can have hatred and bitterness in our heart that become an idol. We love to hang on to that hatred and bitterness we have for somebody else. No, we have to remove those idols. They are part of the sin problem that we are experiencing, that we have to starve those sinful desires, put them to death, and take on more of God's righteousness. So you want to treat your body like a temple? You say your body's a temple? Hashtag my body's a temple. Well, who's it a temple for? It's not a temple for us. It's a temple for the indwelling Holy Spirit, the indwelling Spirit of Christ. So flee from temptation, avoid it, put those sinful desires to death, starve them to death, starve your sinful desires to death. Now make your body a house of prayer, learn how to pray, um, put to death any idols that you discover. You can do that by examining your life, um, identifying those idols, removing them from your body, and then repenting, telling God, I'm sorry for this. I want to have you in my life more. We're, I'm going to turn my life around and turn it toward Christ. And then um, we, instead of focusing on those worldly things, we start focusing on Jesus. That's one of the ways to get rid of idols. And finally, to use your body as a temple, we need to be grateful. Psalm 139, verse 14 says, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God is for your body. Remember, hashtag the Lord's for your body. He died for you. He left heaven for you. He suffered for you. He united himself to you. He brought you to him. He indwells you with his Holy Spirit. He's for your body, but he also created you. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Sometimes we're ashamed of our bodies, but God loves you and he loves your body too. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. Um, the Lord is for your, or, or our bodies are for the Lord. We're bought, but he is also for our bodies. He's planning to raise our bodies from the dead. This is part two. Hashtag God is for our bodies. We need to be grateful that he's for our bodies. Look at what it says in uh, verse uh, 13. The body is for the Lord and the Lord is for the body. Verse 14. 
By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will also raise us. That makes us know that God is for our body. Not just our body is for him. He's also for us. He created us fearfully and wonderfully made, so we should be grateful. So he created us a body, um, and in a way that shows us that he is for our bodies, he gave Jesus a body. A body was prepared for Christ. Jesus became something he wasn't when he took on the form of humanity. And then when Jesus died, what happened three days later? God raised his body from the dead. Jesus ascended into heaven in bodily form. There's a very real human who is also God, Jesus, God, man, sitting at the right hand of God in heaven. The scripture says he's going to return the same way he ascended. He's going to return as a embodied person. That's how he is forever. He reveals God to us that way. And God loved Jesus so much, he raised his body from the dead. This is the, this is the future we can expect for our own bodies. He gave us a body, and he's planning to raise our body from the dead, too. By the, his power, verse 14, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. This is incredibly good news, but it also means God cares what we do with our bodies. Now, I'm not saying so much because some people sell like a health kick on this. So if God cares about your body, you should care about your body. That's true. But we don't have to necessarily go off the deep end and become health fanatics because we care about our bodies. We just need to use our body for righteousness. Use our bodies to help other people, help the helpless, um, go to God in prayer, get rid of idols, learn how to use our bodies as sacrifice. We're going to talk more about that next week. But listen, our bodies for the Lord and the Lord is for our bodies. Thanks again for joining us. If you need someone to pray with you, talk to, or maybe you just need more information about our church, please visit us online at wcconline.org connect. Fill out that connect card so we can reach out and help you take your next best step. Thanks again for joining and we will see you back here next time.